Here in Orlando, Florida, O-Town Compost is leading the composting revolution, recycling organic waste into a nutrient-rich resource. Join Charlie Pioli, founder of O-Town Compost, as we hear from the nation's leading voices behind the grassroots community composting movement. Welcome to the Community Composting Podcast. Please rate and review on whichever podcast platform you're listening to. If you feel like this is good content and you're learning a lot about composting. Hey, welcome to the Community Composting Podcast. I have here with me today, Matt with Lifecycle Organics, episode number 37. Matt, how did you find yourself slanging food waste and, uh, you know, picking up uh, there in the charlottesville virginia area of the country yeah um well thanks charlie for having me on um this all started with the pandemic um i was working retail and i transitioned into uh, craft beer um, as a beer salesman um, for my favorite local brewery uh, reason beer and the pandemic hit march 2020 and uh, beer sales were still consistent enough that i still had my job but um, the traveling the state and going to restaurants wasn't happening. So had a lot of time at home, um, and picked up, uh, the community composting book, um, read that I was composting at home and was fascinated with like the science of it all. And, and which community um, composting book were you reading? Um, you know, I forget, I think it's just called community composting, um, by James McSweeney. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. the best one out there. If I had yeah. to recommend it, our listeners. Yeah, no, it was a great book. Um, and it really kind of was like connected a lot of things for me. Um, and, uh, I guess like politically things were a little frustrating at the time and, um, you know, the environment's been something I cared about a lot and kind of had gotten away from it, working retail and selling beer and feeling like, I wasn't contributing a whole lot to society. So um, I decided to take this chance and I was like, I'm young enough that if it all falls apart, I can bounce back. Um, But yeah, I was like, it'd be cool if I started my own thing and was able to like pay myself, um, which I'm still hoping for one day. Um, But to spend my time like full time trying to advocate for composting and something that, um, you know, really is like, almost like a solution to all of our climate change issues if we could get everybody on board with composting. So it felt like uh, um, the most reasonable mission to kind of pursue and get after. Um, It really is a solution to all our climate change issues from greenhouse gas, carbon reduction, to replenishing the depleted soil waste uh, issues and, you know, extending the life of our landfills. But were you, when you started Lifecycle Organics, were you um, aware of any other community composters out there that, who kind of inspired your company that you started? Yeah. Um, so I was aware of Garbage to Garden up in like the Portland, Maine area. Uh, my sister-in-law lives in Portland and we had moved down from New England to Virginia, my wife and I, and she was using a composting service in Portland and whenever we would visit her. Um, I thought it was awesome and like a really cool business and was like, man, that'd be cool. Um, I wonder how many people are doing that. And so we moved to Virginia and there was another composter locally here, uh, Black Bear Composting that serves sort of the central Virginia area. Um, 
but we lived in an apartment and they didn't, they wouldn't serve the apartment. Um, so we weren't able to use them. And then where we ended up moving to in the County was a little outside their route. So, you know, we weren't able to ever use them as a customer. Um, and so that's where, you know, I was moving into a market with Lifecycle Organics that has a composting service already present. Um, that seems to be very successful and pretty large. Um, they have their own composting site collection. They service a large area um, and have been doing so it they, for a long what time. What is their name? Uh, Black Bear Composting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, they're even referred to, I think, in um, McSweeney's book. Um, but there was some things I knew that they didn't service. So I thought it would be a good compliment to their service to like they use a garbage truck and do just a tipping, like dump buckets. Um, and I was like, well, you know, what if I picked up the bucket and swapped it with a clean one, you know, for like apartments and things like that. Um, and then servicing outside in the county and some of the other areas that they don't service to try to maximize the amount of composting in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I was aware of, yeah, garbage to garden and then black bear. And then just from Instagram, um, I came across O-Town compost, bootstrap, um, rust belt riders, um, mother compost and, you know, compost Queens and kind of started following all those Instagrams, um, started listening to your podcast as well, which was, you know, came out shortly after I sort of started this venture. Okay. Um, So you started about a year ago, a little bit more. Yeah. This is our second year. So it was like formed the LLC at the end of 2020. Mm -hmm. And we started serving our first servicing our first customer to start 2021. So and now how are you doing uh, with life cycle organics? Like well, how many customers, residential, commercial? I see that you have a green event service. Yeah. Just share a little bit about, you know, your success. Yeah. Um, 2022 has been uh, an exciting year for us so far with a lot of growth. I think at this point last year, we we're maybe diverting up to 500 pounds a week um, in food waste. Um, and right now on a good week for us, it's closer to 3,500 pounds. Um, so the growth and diversion has been really awesome. Um, getting close to the point of enough revenue to be able to real quick. quick, How do you go from 500 to 3,500? Do you have like a large customer who adds a lot of variability to your collection? We do. Yeah. So our first customer, um, I guess to back up a little bit, um, when I was, sort of putting together like the business plan and what I wanted. Um, I was trying to figure out how I would compost all of this stuff. And so he's looking at trying to find land and equipment. And I was like, I'm going to need like a million dollars. And I came across Panorama Pay Dirt, which is just a few miles from my house. Um, It's a farm and they've been composting yard waste for decades. Um, And Margaret, who's taken over the ownership of that from her uncle, um, is trying to, wanted to start composting food waste and I noticed this in 2020, reached out to her. And so they're my composting site now. Um, and she already knew of the Blue Ridge School, which is a private um, boys boarding school out here that's been trying to compost, but they were too far from any um, other composting company to start service with. So that was my first customer, which I got through Panorama Paydirt. Um, they're our largest generator. Um, we've gotten to the point now where we're when the boys are there in school, it's about a ton a week. Um, so they have seven 64 gallon bins and they basically fill up one every day. And then I click collect them at the end of the week and swap them out with clean ones. Um, so that's where it fluctuates a little bit um, when they go on break and in the summer. Yeah. I was going to say like, 
my company, O-Town Compost, we, one of our key metrics is tracking the weekly pounds uh, that we're diverting. And every week it's pretty consistent. Of course, it's like a small march upward as we grow. But, you know, if we add even a, a new commercial client, it's always going to fluctuate within like 500 pounds plus or minus. And we're currently diverting about on average um, 9,000, you know, low 9,000 pounds a week. But um, that, yeah, I would say like once the school year starts, some of our universities and the one elementary school we service, <clears throat> yeah, it's it, a lot of that is going to be shifted towards the residential sector. All that food waste gets shifted as people, you know, go home and start cooking from home or they go out to restaurants. And I, I did see that for your commercial pickups, you have like a flatbed truck where you can fit how many uh, 64 gallon totes? Uh, right now I run with 16 on there. Um, we can fit just over 20 on it. Um, nice. But yeah, we have, we travel with 16 on there. And then when I go to Panorama, I throw all my five gallon buckets on there and it fills up for one dump a week. Nice. So. That's awesome. I mean, and you do a, a swap out of the totes as well as the buckets, I assume. I do. Yeah. Um, part of that's like convenience for the customer and also not having a truck body that can tip the larger totes. Yeah. Uh, but they tend to be a little day, bit easier to clean out. Yeah. Do you think one day you would try to move towards that? Um, I'm not sure. I've thought a lot about it. Um, and I would like to for the convenience of doing more pickups because the totes take up a lot of space themselves. Um, plus it's faster. Um, I think if I did something like that, it would be with a body that has like the pressure washer on it, like one of the hot, the hot ones. Um, so you can hit it with like steam to at least keep them somewhat clean um, and try to cut down on odor. Um, I think that's just been like a nice thing for some of my commercial customers that are worried about like even their regular trash cans and recycling bins are like nasty and smell and attract. Um, I know some of the re restaurants downtown have asked about rats and things cause they get into the other containers. Um, and we've had no issues with our compost bins. I have one restaurant that both will be filled, um, to the brim with all kinds of food waste and they're pretty ripe and, you know, they're untouched, but you can see like the other trash cans around have been like gone through by different scavengers and things like that. Um, how heavy do they get typically for you when they're filled to the brim, like 300 pounds? Uh, yeah, they're well over 300 pounds. Yeah. Um, it's pretty densely packed. So, um, they're pretty, they're pretty beefy to move around and get on the lift gate. Um, mm -hmm. especially when we go to like the, the school where we pick up seven of them, like it's, it's like a 15 minute pickup because we have to take bins off and load bins up three at a time onto the truck. So there's well, definitely some issues. Like we have a commercial client that has four 64 gallon bins and they all fill them up to the brim with rice, which is one of the most dense material you can find. Yeah. And our trucks actually carry around like an ice cube scooper, you know, one of those cube scoopers. Mm -hmm. And that's just so that they can lighten the load before, because our, our, our hydraulic tipper 
you know, it's rated at 400 pounds. And this is a common issue among a lot of composters is, you know, we're dealing in not trash, but food waste, which is a heavier material. So all this equipment that's rated um, for trash is not gonna totally do it for our food waste. So we actually have to lighten the load before we get uh, four, 64 gallons able to empty with our tipper. And then we just put in a new compostable liner. It often takes like 15 to 25 minutes. So I don't know how much of a time savings it might like to swap the bins might be pretty equivalent. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. Cause the lift gate that I have is like rated for 1600 pounds. So when I put three on there, I know I'm like, well below that yeah so when you get to like when i get to panorama i have to go through and dump them one by one and i have to dump them by hand um which i don't mind doing right now if i have like employees in the future i would probably have to look at that from like a safety um standpoint and you know make sure that we're doing it like safely and whether it's two people on the truck to like lift it together um like right now i lift it off the lift gate and i'm like 15 feet up from the bottom of the pit, um, which has been fine so far, but I could see like sometimes those bags, you know, they like suction in and then like, we'll pull the whole container. Um, so yeah, it's things, I mean, definitely with the future, I'd have to look at that collection for commercial customers and make Mm -hmm. adjustments. It could even be adding pickups to try to get them when their loads are lighter. Um, but right. I know that, um, A couple of community composters, they put like a line on their bins, you know, 75% of the way up. And that line is supposed to indicate to the client, don't fill it beyond this point. And that just keeps it a little bit lighter and easily maneuverable. But that's really interesting. Um, How is your green event service? Have you done any events there in your town? Yeah, um, not really. Um, that's one that we haven't really had a ton of, um, I guess, interest in yet. Um, we've had a, I've had a wedding reach out. Um, and I mean, that was really simple. That was, um, they actually just used their own liners and didn't want our bins. And then um, they actually just brought the bags of compostable waste to my house and I charged them a fee for it and then brought them to the, the farm for composting. Um, And then I've just done a couple like pop-up events where it's like, I'm talking about composting and compost education, and I provide some compost bins for the event. So I've done it at uh, Reason Beer, the brewery I worked at um, for their block party. Um, And yeah, so not a ton of events yet, but I'd like to do more of them. Yeah. A lot of weddings in this area too. It's, I mean, we have a ton of vineyards in this part of Virginia. Um, I mean, like within a 30 minute drive from my house, there's like 50 vineyards we can get to. So there's lots of weddings in this area and they generate a lot of waste, especially just bouquets, like the flowers alone, like capturing that. Um, I know a lot of people are moving to compostable products, um, but like we know, like, you know, when it goes to like the landfill, it's not as beneficial as it certainly seems. It's kind of like a greenwashing, like the lack of education around what compostable product and use can be. But yeah, I hope to do more with that for sure. What is your approach to getting in the door with these vineyards and maybe doing more uh, green weddings in your area? 
the secret would probably be with the like catering outfits in their event planning teams. Um, and I know some of the caterers do a good job of composting, some compost with black bear already. Um, and some have reached out to me about composting on like the prep side of food. Um, but working with them to get like an add on um, kind of service to their wedding planning structure. Like when you go through and like plan a wedding and it's like all these add ons for um, the couple to right. pick from one of them can be a, a green event, like a composting event. And they just put that cost on to their customers, but having a compost company that they're working with. So that's something that I'd like to work more on. And I think it's getting in with those event planners um, and having yeah. that structured that way. Yeah, that's really how I see the best approach is through the caterers or event planners. Um, you know, there's many different angles, though. You could try to become a preferred vendor with the venues. You could go through the wedding planners, caterers. You could just continue what you're doing right now, like booking directly with the couples. Um yeah, I just feel like there's many different avenues, but um, if, you know, making it an option that is offered to everyone with the caterer or event planner is definitely a, a great option. And, you know, a caterer who's doing that is kind of like leading the industry. They're uh, gaining a competitive edge and they're also able to upcharge the service. Uh, so they're making a little commission uh, but also, you know, that's less trash that they're hauling back with them on the truck at the end of the night. And there's a lot of win-wins, um, but it's just, it takes time, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, definitely going to pursue it more um, in the future, especially we're getting into wedding season. So um, try to make some contacts. That's funny. Wedding season is reversed down here in Florida. The weather is about <laughs> to get muggy. So people are like, I don't want to be sweating in my wedding gown. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> um, get to cut off tuxedos and things. <laughs> right. As you start to take on more food scraps, you realize very quickly that you need a better composting system to process the material. This is why I highly recommend the aerated static pile micro bin designed and made easy by O2 Compost. In 60 days, I have finished compost without putting in the labor of turning the pile. The piles heat up to over 140 degrees, killing pathogens, weed seeds, and fly larvae, making the end product safe to use in the garden. With 32 plus years of experience in the compost industry, Peter Moon, owner of O2 Compost, is a leading expert in the field of ASP composting. I encourage you to set up a free half an hour consultation with Peter Moon by going to his website, www.o2compost.com. That's the letter O, the number two, compost.com. If you mention that you heard about O2 Compost on this podcast, you'll receive a 10% discount on the purchase of the Microbin Compost Training Program. So what are some like efficiency improvements you've made to your operation since starting and where you maybe noticed that there's a better way to do it? Uh, that's a good question. Um, some of the efficiency improvements are probably around like bin cleaning. Um, so I still run the business out of my home. 
Um, so I don't have like a warehouse space or anything like that. Like I keep all my bins, um, like the five gallon buckets in the shed. And then I have like a lean to off the shed for the larger bins. Um, but like dialing in a process for the cleaning, um, to do it quickly and efficiently and like minimize water use and, uh, find a soap that worked that was like not bad for the environment. Um, it's taken a little bit of time, but I've gotten to a good process there. Um, where I go through, I got a great soap. That's like a Castile soap. It's like a natural soap. Um, in my rinse water, I actually, all of it ends up going into one of my 64 gallon bins. So I rinse and wash everything over Rubbermaid totes to capture all, um, the runoff basically. So it's not just like in my yard and driveway and like a muddy mess. Um, so I just put it in one of the bins and load it on the truck. And so when I dump my compost, I dump that as well. Uh, oh, so they wow. struggle with moisture content sometimes with the food waste. It was lower than they intended when they first um, put together the recipes. So all the extra moisture is welcome. So all my like rinse water, I just throw in a bin and I dump it on top. Um, and that soap, it's got no chemicals in it or anything. So I got that approved of them to um, cool. also dump in with the compost. So it, it helps while I'm running it out of my house. It minimizes like neighbors being concerned about like what's going into like the leach field and things like yeah. that. So, um, that's so been actually wash your 64 gallon toast over Rubbermaid tubs. I like, I like wash them. And then, um, I rinse the insides out into, I like hold them on top of each other, hmm. um, and rinse them all into like one by one going down a line. So it's like, wash this one, dump the soap water into the next one, wash it, oh. dump it, rinse. So it like goes through and then ends in one of the bins interesting um, yeah yeah there's always efficiency improvements with washing if you're like one of those community composters who is focused on having clean bins that you give back um so that's yeah that's good stuff and moisture can be you know at a premium especially if you're accepting a lot of like you know our customers give us a lot of paper towels and you know sometimes uncoated paper plates uh you know we tell our customers we're not paper recyclers but sometimes they just end up giving us like whatever is convenient um paper board box board but um so i was curious i saw pictures of your five gallon buckets and lids like what kind of lids do you use if it wasn't like the lids we use at O-Town Compost that are just like snap on, snap off. Um, I think we use, well, we use the easy on and off lids that we just get like from Uline. Um, okay. I don't know. Um, oh, they kind of look like gamma lids. Yeah, I have I have some gamma. So when we, I was first like experimenting with what the buckets would be like, I had my house and a couple other houses composting and I was just doing it at composting it all at our house. So I had gotten some of the gamma seal lids because that's what um, like Black Bear, the other local composter here, they use those. Um, and I was like, oh, those seem great. Um, and I struggled with them because when you put the liner in, they just tear the liner apart. Uh, so like from a convenience factor, I was like, this is something that could frustrate someone to the point that they don't want to compost. And I was trying to like, like if someone's super gung ho and hardcore about composting, like, like just dumping their bucket, like they're happy to have a dirty bucket to like clean themselves. But I was like, those people on the fence and 
not sure or don't even want to do it. Like I want to be the composting service for them where it's like no effort on their part, super easy, clean. Um, so yeah, I ruled out the gamma seal lid. Um, and I think I, I messaged, uh, one of the composters on Instagram. Um, it might've been like mother composter compost Queens and, uh, just asked them cause I saw their lids and I was like, Oh, where'd you guys get those lids? And they directed me to Uline. So yeah, I think it might be the same lids you all use as well. Like it's just like the peel on and off. Yeah. Okay. They are yeah. the same lids then. Yeah. I use the gamma seal lid ones. I still use those cause they're impossible to get off. Once you put <laughs> that, like the, um, lid, the bucket connector, um, I use those for my compost give back. So like I fill those with compost and use those for giving it back to customers. Yeah, that's not a bad idea for like our customers who are in neighborhoods where there's bears. Uh, we service Seminole County, which, you know, is right up against like a natural preserve. And there's a big bear problem. Even the trash and recycle bins uh, provided by the county have like sealable lids to prevent bears. And we actually did have one customer get their bucket uh, torn apart by a bear. But yeah, we don't want to prevent people from the ease and convenience of composting. So I see where you're coming from. Yeah. How'd your customer with the, uh, the bear interaction handle it? Were they good sports about it or was it? Not, like no, they started off like not being good sports. They kind of accused us of telling them that it wouldn't be a problem and uh, you know i apologized i said well we're you know when we respond to no customers it's it's always a solution-based response it's you know we're not really caught up in what we said prior or what the you know what they're accusing us of so we pretty much um right off the bat we refunded them uh, for that one pickup and we assured going forward that our driver would come up to their door and ring on the doorbell sure it adds like an extra couple minutes to the pickup but you know we kept that customer the customer later apologized for their reaction and they just got a new bucket um so it, it was all right yeah well, that's good yeah. <laughs> um, what are some like challenges you've overcome so far with your business? Um, everything feels like a challenge. Uh, and there's been a lot. It's been, um, I mean, it's definitely been tough. I, I would say like this podcast is helpful um, in listening to other community composters um, and some of their stories. Um, which have helped me get over a lot of things and, you know, you don't feel like alone and like you're messing things up. Um, but there's been struggles. I mean, that truck that I have, the flatbed truck, um, I got for a great price. Um, and then it was just the struggle where after I got it, um, I ran a fuel injector cleaner in it. Cause I was like, this truck's great. It's going to run for a while. Um, and cleaning the fuel injector actually loosened up the seals enough that it then developed a pretty bad fuel leak. Um, so then it was out of commission for a while. So I was servicing the, um, school that I have, um, without a way to pick up like large bins of compost. And so I was using my Subaru Outback with a couple of big Rubbermaid totes that I got from 
Lowe's and I would go and I would dump their bins at the school into these Rubbermaid totes and then load the totes into my car and then shuttle it to the to Panorama. Um, then I borrowed my in-laws um, car and trailer when they got they started to generate more food waste than I could handle in my car um, and then use that and got it stuck in the mud a few times out at the farm. Um, so like that went on for I mean, that was like the first three or four months um oh, that was just a, your truck was out of commission for like three or four months yeah it was a few different problems um ended up getting it all fixed because then it had a starting issue and um it's a diesel truck and so we had some we had a pretty cold winter and um it needed new glow plugs and a couple other things too that i found out about um but it's been great ever since like knock on wood which of course there's some <laughs> room but uh um i mean that was a pretty tough one um that just, just shows been... you your commitment you know you're gonna go out there with your personal vehicle and um you know i'm the same way it, whatever it takes it it needs to people's food waste needs to be picked up i just talked yeah. with um the fleet manager of compost nashville on the last podcast and they, when they purchased um, Sprinter vans, they even were able to afford like a, a contingency van or a redundancy van, as they call it. Basically just a backup van with high mileage, doesn't get a lot of use. Um, they do keep it on the commercial auto insurance. So, you know, there is that losing money every month, but um you know, it's, it's better uh, than like taking out your Subaru Outback maybe. So yeah, definitely. Especially if you're picking up compost five days a week, um, Yeah, no then you have to figure out service appointments. And I just pick up uh, like two and a half days right now, but I hope to get a van by the end of the year. Um, and I think I would keep my truck just like for that reason um, yeah. to have a backup vehicle. That's not my Outback. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, one could be for commercial pickups, the other could be for residential. Yeah. So definitely, especially if I'm able to afford an employee as well, we could have two people out collecting and um, then be able to spend more time other places like going out and trying to do cold call sales and acquire more customers. Yeah. Uh, let me just ask you a couple more questions. I see that you give uh, anyone who's interested in your service like a one month free trial. How has that been? And do you have any like referral bonuses? Um, the one month free trial has been great. Um, nobody's like come away from the one month trial and not wanted to continue. Um, I think That's it's pretty easy. Too. Yeah. And it makes it easy when you're talking to people. It's like, well, just take a bucket. Like, it costs you nothing. Like here's a free bucket and I'll come pick it up and then I'll pick it up one last time in four weeks. And that can be that. Um, so I think it's good for that, especially I did a pop-up event recently at a, uh, a zero waste store and having buckets with me right there. Um, having that one month free trial is really handy. Cause it's, I can just hand them a bucket and it's, you know, um, they're less how do they likely give you their information. Like how do you know where to pick up and yeah. what frequency they want? So I brought it, I brought an iPad with me, um, and just had the website on there. So they just, um, 
were able to just like if they were signing up on the website, but instead of me dropping off the bucket, they're also leaving with the bucket the same day. Um, and then I send them their email, an email, just let them know, Hey, your collection day is going to be this day. Like hope the composting like has gone well these first couple of days. Um, I love that idea. I've been actually trying to do that for a while now and we're using like a paper clipboard. Mm -hmm. And then when people write down their information, we like, can log on for them with their information and like get them part of the way there to signing up. But obviously we can't enter their payment information. So we follow up and have them complete the rest of the process. But that sounds like uh, something that I should be doing. Yeah, what do you all use for um, like customer management? We use Stop Checker. Okay. Yeah. That's more design. That's more designed for like the waste collection world, right? Yeah, it's like very specifically designed for community composters and um, nice. just do you invoice through it. What's that? Can you invoice through it and like take payment through it as well? Yeah, they integrate with Stripe. So okay. yeah, very cool. Yeah, we just I just use Square right now, um, mostly because it's like what I was familiar with and it's pretty easy. But like as we grow. Um, I've started to think about how I would like transition to something else. So I'll have to check out that, uh, stop checker. Yeah. Uh, Square is pretty handy, but it's got some limitations for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, listen to, I think it was a couple of podcasts ago. I interviewed Brent, the, the founder of stop checker, the guy who started it. And he used to be a community composter himself up in Rochester before he started the software for the business. Uh, but definitely tell him I sent you. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> he's a good guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, with that zero waste store too, that pop-up event, um, I've talked with the owners there and um, creating a system where there's like a QR code in their store and just buckets available um, so that when their customers are shopping, because she talks with a lot of people about composting and trying to cut their waste that way. Um, and so she's referred customers to me, but having that sort of ability that even when I'm not there, people can be taking buckets home from their store. Um, so basically just like having a little pile of buckets with a QR code. So someone can scan it, fill out the sign up form real quick and just walk out with the bucket um, yeah. and capturing those folks there. So they don't have to go home, find the website, sign up that way. So that's something I'm hoping to roll out in the next month or so, and hopefully lead to a little increase in residential customers. Yeah, I've seen other community composters do that at like grocery stores where they grab a bucket, they go to the checkout and they say, you know, sign me up. So that's a great idea as well. Yeah, yeah. I saw Garbage to Garden was doing that up in Maine. I think when I was up there last visiting, I saw it in some of the Hannaford grocery stores. They just, you could just take their bucket home and pay for it there. Um, very, yeah, cool. very accessible for people. Yeah. Well, I think that's about it, Matt, but thank you so much for sharing everything about Lifecycle Organics, and I wish you best of luck as you grow your business and capture more food waste. Yeah, well, thanks, Charlie. I really appreciate it, man, and thanks for putting this podcast together. It's been incredibly useful and helpful for me, so um, it'd be hard to imagine things without it, so I really appreciate the time you put into it. Yeah, and my hope is people will learn from your experience as well. So, yeah, awesome. Right. Thanks, man.
Take care. Thank you. If you enjoy the Community Composting Podcast and want to support future episodes, please follow the link in the episode show notes to give a small monthly reoccurring donation, even if it's $5 to $10 a month. We'll continue to come out with killer content to keep the grassroots movement rolling.